Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. Joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Brought to you by Square Pigs. Are you going to record that commercial that you wrote up? I, I am, yes. You need to. You and, totally uh, need to. I I just need to figure the dialogue out. But that's, you know, because every podcast out there is like Squarespace, and well, we're going to be Square Pigs, because... Nothing stacks like square pigs. Works for me. Interplanetary. Uh, also joining us is your co-host Spaz. Hello, hello. Uh, Hunter isn't joining us uh, this week because what was it? Something going on with Eve. Uh, yeah, he's I defending. Think. He's defending uh, freedom and justice in the in the black hole or wherever. Oh, and uh, folks, before Where, we wherever this. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, before we introduce our guest, I just wanted to say uh, I spent about three hours testing my streaming settings. So hopefully this week, uh, with 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 Excalibur's help, we uh, came up with some new settings. Hopefully this week the drop frames will be kept to a minimum. But it's Tuesday, and the girlfriend is actually home streaming media. So who the hell knows? But we have a guest uh, this week joining us from Vir- – where in Virginia are you, John? Uh, right about uh, Fredericksburg, kind of uh, halfway between DC and Richmond. Jim, is that where we saw that? Is that where we went for that? That that yeah. that was where we went. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I think. Well, we were in Richmond. It wasn't Fredericksburg. No, I thought it was. It wasn't Richmond. Yeah. That was the capital. Maybe I thought it was, it was Fredericksburg. Oh, maybe it was Fredericksburg. Uh, I don't we know. Went they, had to, a, uh, they had a nice Howard Johnson's there. We went to a uh, a uh, board game con- a war gaming convention a couple few years ago. Yeah, I think um, I think that was Fredericksburg. At least they just had one this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it Matrix. Okay, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Matrix Games um, and uh, not and Slytherin have like this yearly powwow, and sometimes they do it over here, and sometimes they do it in Europe. And a few years ago, they did it here in there over in Virginia, and, and I met Jim because he's in North Carolina, and I got to go and. Lots of humidity. Lots and lots of humidity. I was not prepared for that. Uh, even though I'm from Philadelphia, I had forgotten. Yeah, we uh, stay pretty moist here in yeah. the summertime. <laughs> I had forgotten. You were run from air conditioner to air conditioner. Yeah, basically. This was July. So uh, this is July. And uh, I had forgotten about the humidity. So I. You know, I, I wish yeah. Peter Hirschberg's arcade had still been around whenever you were here. Because he closed that up like the year before, I think. Oh, is that like an actual um, like video game arcade? Yeah, that, oh. the, that Luna City place that I put pictures up of. Oh, right. Get a tear in my eye. Yeah. Right. I remember that, you talking about that. Uh, so joining us from Fredericksburg, Virginia, which I also believe is a Civil War battleground, uh, is yep. uh, John Carr of Galdor. Did I say that right? Galdor Studios? Yep. Yeah, that's all right. So, uh, hi, everyone. Uh glad to be on the podcast we are glad to have you because we're very excited about your game now i didn't have time to ask you the pronunciation properly before the show started so is it empyrean yep yeah okay empyrean frontier my friends uh this game is uh i believe you can currently get it on itch.io but it's not yet on steam is that am i am i remembering that correctly yeah so um Right now, you can get it on itch.io um, or itch.io. Uh, it's got a Steam page. Um, I'm still working on finishing up um, a little more content, and I want to make a new trailer before I go live. But 
I'm trying to do it uh, either next week or the week after Ooh. get the uh, Steam early access launch, of course. So if you want to wait for the full game, it'll be a while longer. But right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> but we've been playing the uh, the early access version that you you gave us. Thank you for those keys. And uh, I have to say, at least for myself, and it sounds like the others as well. At least for myself, I've been enjoying this immensely. I got. Oh, say. thanks. Yeah, it's good to hear. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty, can you tell the folks who might not know what the game is? Uh, give them like a elevator pitch slash bullet point rundown of what the game is. All right. So the basic idea is it's an RTS, and it. It has a space RTS, of course, and it has all the standard uh, RTS space building resource collection. There's a skirmish mode, but um, it also has a campaign that's more of a roguelike FTL style uh, layout where it's a procedurally generated map and you take a fleet of units from one node to the next and you kind of have a persistent fleet that you build up over the course of of the campaign. So what uh, other games had you played that kind of inspired this? Because I I see elements of of several things that we've played in the past that that it's kind of like they're familiar. It's it's not, you know, like Mm. not a direct translation of some of those features, but it seems like several indie games are arriving in a very similar space. So I was just wondering, you know, have have you played some of the other stuff that, that was that and, or did you just kind of arrive at the at this yourself, and uh, and also kind of just science fiction influence that that got you here as well? Yeah, so I think like a lot of indie game developers, I think FTL is one of like the main like the origin of the inspiration for a lot of this stuff. There have been a few other uh, smaller games I've played that have done a similar kind of thing, but more RTS like. Um, there's a game called, uh, I think it's now Battle Void Harbinger. It, ah, it yes. used to have a different name. Yeah, but yeah, that's that a great game. and there's that's another a great game. game. Oh, sorry. There's another one. I think it was uh, Revenant Distant Star. Yeah, Distant, Distant Star Revenant Fleet. We yeah, were just right. talking yeah, that about one. that one. We were just talking yeah, about I, that because I was playing this and I was like, man, I'm getting a real Revenant Fleet vibe. <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I guess we're all on the same page. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and I think those games as well. I mean, there it's kind of a direct link to FTL as well. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know, the different other other thing that also does the the waypointing is um, well, formerly Enemy Starfighter, um, House of the Dying Sun, or Flying Nun as we call it. Um, but yeah, that also, but that's an action, you know, like. X-wing style fly and fight sort of thing, but but it also has that uh, like pro- progression across nodes on the map sort of deal where if, you know it's like do you choose to go to this encounter or that encounter based on what reward you're going to get? If only it was pre- it was procedural, like this is that uh, that would make that game so much better, <laughs> I think. Yeah, but it's it's still pretty neat though. No, I mean, it's, it's not it's bad. Rare to get a Starfighter game and then have the Starfighter game also use a little bit of a roguelike formula in it too. So, right now, uh, 
I wanted to, to ask, um, because uh, one thing I really liked about uh, the game is the base building aspect. And I've only done like the intro campaign. And in the intro campaign, which is kind of a mix of a tutorial and a campaign, which is really nice, mm-hmm. I might add. I really like that the game not only has several tutorial missions on their own, but a small tutorial campaign to really get people uh, into the feel of the game. Uh, but in that in that little campaign, there didn't seem to be much of an opportunity for colonization or building. Will that be a feature more found in the regular, like fully featured campaign? Yeah. So um, one of the things I wanted, especially for like the tutorial campaign, is it was mainly designed for showing it at conventions. Like I, that was the uh, ah. I built it for Magfest when I went up there. So kind of. And base building really isn't conducive to that kind of environment because it takes a while for people to get and learn the mechanics and, you know, figure out how to do it. But um, some of the campaign nodes, there certainly is a chance to base build on some of the more difficult ones. Um, It's not a big focus on most of them now, although... Going forward, I want to add add a little more base building. Like I have one mission right now where the player is given control of base. They get um, four command ships and some modules, and actually no, it's five. But it's, yeah, so there there are a few missions I want to do where the player will be given control of base and will be able to build up or use those. But there's also the, if you select your wormhole at the beginning of a map, you can deploy a new command ship, which the uh, the kind of balancing factor with that is once you deploy a command ship, which is for this faction, it's your, essentially your base. You build modules off of it and you can collect resources, build uh, new ships, all that kind of stuff. But once you deploy a command ship, you lose it in the regular, uh, in the like in the main campaign menu. So normally with ships, you go into the map, and if the ship survives, you have it at the end of the map when you go into the into the next node. But uh, if you deploy a base, it's kind of it remains behind. Yeah, that makes oh. sense. That's kind of sad, though. I have to admit. <laughs> no, I don't want to leave it be. Oh, now it makes sense, though. But but I, I do like how efficient base building and planet colonization is in the game. I mean, there seems to be a um, a goal of making the gameplay as streamlined as possible in terms of uh, getting things done, moving fleets around. Was that one of your uh, overarching goals to make the RTS? as efficient as possible in terms of UI and, and whatnot. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we have dead air. Hello. Oh, I still hear you. Maybe his mic flaked out. Yeah. Spaz, can you hear us? I can hear you. That's weird. 
The internet is also being unstable again. We've dropped a few more frames, but so far the majority it's, is... It's time to sue them, like New York State did. <laughs> did you read that this morning that I, I posted I, I, in, I did. in the Discord? I did. I also... Well, uh, the guy who helped me, Excalibur, he... Um, he told he told me exactly what to say when I call Time Warner, and uh, tell them to come out and look at the blades in the neighborhood. Apparently, so I'm, I still have to do that. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a stronger stream, even with the drop frames than last week. John, uh oh, folks, it's it, we're having some odd technical issues. Apparently, even though we see John in the room with us, wait, where John? Right. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, oh. Just had a computer crash, blue screen. Oh gosh, that's oh, my. You know what's weird about that? Well, you well, never the left... new Windows 10 blue screen, whatever that means. Oh, you know what's weird about that? You never left the room here. You were in here with us the whole time. And, Discord and... never lost faith in. Yeah, you. Discord <laughs> never <laughs> lost you. Like it, it held on. Like you know, like the like it had rope. It was like the Boondock Saints always got to have rope, and it had rope, uh, and it kept you on. That's awesome. So, are you are you back with us now? Uh, yeah, everything seems good for now. Woo-hoo! All right. So, what did I ask? Oh, yeah. The um, I really liked how efficient uh, controlling not only your units is, but uh, colonizing planets, building bases, uh, upgrading things. Very like streamlined UI. So, was that like a was that like a goal of yours to have a very streamlined way to play the game or did that just happen as you built it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was kind of a goal. Um, at the beginning, I just wanted to get every kind of, uh, every kind of control, uh, hotkey, shortcut, you know, everything that people expect from an RTS. Um, a lot of indie games, I think, indie RTS that come out kind of lack, you know, some of the, you know, like they won't have shift you move or, you know, control groups or stuff like that. So at the beginning, it was just wanting to get all the features in. And more recently, especially as I've started uh, focusing on the campaign, it's kind of turned into an accessibility, uh, <clears throat> sorry, accessibility thing where I want to be get, I want to get people who, you know, maybe don't feel like they they would play a game like StarCraft where you have to have insane APM and you know they want to be able to control a big fleet of units but they don't want to have to learn all these complicated controls or you know have to um I don't know just have really high APM <laughs> yeah well speaking of the the APM thing um I found that the game I mean I'm still learning it too but uh, my finding was that I took the speed slider almost all the way down and I was more comfortable down there at like about 30% or so because I could micro my units a little more. Cause it like at the standard speed, I just had a tendency to like lasso guys and, and sort of throw them in the general direction rather than actually the, you know, utilizing the formations and stuff. So, um, but it, my thought in that is like maybe, as a toggle or something, if that's, if that's possible, 
where the player could adjust the game speed like in the middle of a of a mission or do you want it to be like you know you have to live with what you chose in the options screen yeah i've been thinking of bringing it into the main uh the main menu there's there's still some extra room like in the bottom right corner there's a kind of empty space where i have a few other things planned for it but hmm. um yeah i think i'll probably do that um, do you have anything on the space bar right now in the key map because i was just thinking like if you hit the space bar you know just drop the game speed down and then if i hit the space bar again it would resume wherever i had it and that way you know it's like if i need a, a moment you know to figure out what i want to do then i've got that option but that that could also be yeah, like, that, are you tracking score or anything in here because that could be like a thing you know it's like if you enable the the like slow down feature that could negatively impact your score versus if you play it at at stock speed or whatever yeah i'm so yeah i'm not using the space bar for anything right now i'd kind of uh planned on using it for uh, notifications, um, but maybe one or the other. I mean, I'm not using the arrow keys for much, so that might be a you know, up arrow, down arrow kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that, that was another thing that uh, Spaz and I were talking about right before the show, is uh, because you've got other keys you know, that are using WSAD, um, because it, like the old school RTSs, you had to use the arrow keys to, to scroll the map around. And with yours, it's it's purely like middle mouse button and drag or screen edges, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it possible that we could have an option to map keys to that? Because all I saw in the options was, you know, pick which button do, does the middle mouse button function. But I couldn't map keys to actually scrolling. And, and I think that's an option that I would put in there. Yeah, I've I've heard that uh, that kind of feedback before. Um I, yeah, I'm, so I'm planning on adding some kind of um, alternate control, either hmm. WSD or arrow keys. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, if it, you know, whatever you set it, if you leave it up to the character to rebind it or, or whatever, then people, you know, everybody's happy then. And I'm not sure what actually happened during the uh, during the campaign. The boss fight, he was supposed to. Uh, when he says activating thrusters, he's supposed to move really fast. So I don't know what happened there. I was That's really hoping. I was really hoping that that wouldn't happen. I I figured that was about to happen, and I was really happy when it didn't. <laughs> I was like, "Yay! They're stuck. I can kill them." Um, I gotta say, one thing I really liked, at least about that initial campaign, and I'm sure there's more of that in the main campaign. I mean, the uh, training campaign was the variety of situations you ran into just with uh, just with that training campaign. Like there was one mission where you could sneak past an enemy, which I really liked. And there was another one where you had to destroy a death star, like planet killer thing, which I really liked. And I got to say, I don't, I don't know uh, if this is intentional, but the way you made the mini map look when there was a planet killer thing to look like the map from star Wars, when the Death Star is coming Completely around. Intentional. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that was intentional. But as soon as I saw that, I just laughed and laughed because I thought that was perfect. That was a really nice little I enjoyed little the hell out there. of that mission. Yeah, yeah. Super enjoyed the hell out of that. <laughs> that was really, really fantastic. That's, yeah, so um, like with the missions, a few of the other, the, the other kind of, 
RTS light uh, kind of roguelites. It's really more, most of the other games that do this kind of thing are, are more the FTL style where it's always kind of the same mission that you get. You know, you're always one ship against another ship or a few ships against a few ships. So being uh, being like being a full RTS, I wanted to add a lot more mission variety like you would see in a regular RTS campaign. Because um, I feel I, I think it gives a lot more room to just do wild things with the uh, the campaign. Yeah, and, and it, it definitely shows because one of my favorite things about the uh, besides that planetary thing was the fact that you ran to a mission where you could choose sides, and and the game tracked what. Not only did the game track um, how each side saw you after that choice. But there was consequences for that later. I really liked. Like, I yeah, and sorry, go ahead. And one of the uh, one of the uh, things, like one of the things I'm working on is at the end when you fight the boss. Right now, I only have one of them in the game, but uh, eventually, it's at the end of the uh, at the end of the the current map. The boss you face will be whichever faction you have the most negative relationship with. So if you make enemies of one faction and you'll know, make friends with another, you'll be fighting the first faction in in the final node. Oh, that's great. Now that's now, good to know. Now allow if it, and you could see I, I saw on the campaign screen you could see where you are with each faction. Will the campaign missions that you run into change like not even the boss, but along the way to the final sector? based on the choices, based on your relationship with those factions? Like, will one faction be in this sector, and if you've been nice to them, they'll be like, oh, here's some fighters. But if you haven't been nice to them, oh, we're going to kick your butt now. You know, will will it kind of be dynamic in that respect as well? Yeah, there there are a few missions right now where either the faction will give you a better deal or there's one of them where if you get a positive relationship with the uh, Corsair's Bastion, then later on, if you meet them, they'll give you a special quest. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the things. Going forward, the main focus of um, creating content is going to be on adding more factions. I want to have, you know, at least five of the pirates and about the same number of corporations, which will be the next kind of um, the next uh, zone after the frontier. So um, just adding more factions and more, you know, faction relationships, uh, missions that involve multiple factions is is one of the big things that I'm uh, working on. That is awesome. Yeah, that is fantastic because, like, that just adds more variety in the way the campaign can work out, which is which is what we really want. You know, I mean, one of the great things about dynamic campaigns. Uh, is is replayability and variety. And it sounds like the more variables you're throwing out it, the better that'll be. So that just makes me more excited the more I hear about it. <laughs> I got to admit. Yeah. Now, uh, I was wondering, will that reputation continue between zones as well? Uh, yeah. So the plan is for the reputation to move over um, whenever you switch zones. Um I'm not sure if I'll do something, maybe I'll scale it differently. So 
you know, the, the uh, later zones will add or subtract a higher value than the previous zones, giving you a chance to kind of make up for uh, bad relationships in the past. But the plan is for it to kind of continue over in some in, in some amount. That, that does leave it open for more types of quests to come up in later zones because you have more factions to play around with. And right. therefore, you might have more interactions between those you know, earlier factions and the newer ones. Yeah, yeah. And I like one of the things I want is for the player to be kind to be able to kind of choose which allies they want, because each faction has a certain thing they specialize in. The ones I have now, one of them specializes in fighters, the other specializes in base defenses, basically. So by choosing which factions they ally with, they'll, you know, the player will be able to get you know, reinforcements and allies with that particular kind of strength. Awesome. Oh, okay, that's pretty great. I mean, I, uh, I, I like the I like the choices. Like one, one, one choice seemed to give you ore and money, and the other choice gave you fighters, and they're both very valid choices. And even having more choices will be will be awesome. So, how many mission types are in the game right now? Um, right now, there's about thirty to forty different uh, scenarios. Holy crap! Um, yeah, a few of them are kind of there are multiple, like it's the same basic mission, but there's multiple different types you can get depending on like faction standing or uh, what, where the node is on the map. But that's, I mean, it's just starting to get to the point where it doesn't get repetitive. Um, eventually I'm going to need a lot more, but I think, I mean, right now it's kind of at getting to the point where, uh, you can go through a, a regular campaign without without it being the same. So. Now that's uh, and and I'm guessing you're going to be adding more, even. Yeah. So. Oh. And one of the things is, I think right now I have, I'm not sure the exact number, but I've got a a few different uh, missions that involve the two current factions. And so each faction I add in, I'll have to add a few missions with uh, that faction versus each of the previous factions. So it'll kind of grow exponentially from there. But uh, I want to make them not, you know, not the same basic mission each time. I want to add more variety to that. Like uh, there, there are a few missions with the... Uh, Corsair's Bastion, where they have you go attack a uh, a kind of uh, scrap station set up where there's a bunch of scrap stations in a scrap field and you have to capture them for for this faction. So adding more special fact, uh, special missions that uh, are kind of unique to each faction is one of the things I'm working on. So uh, one one thing I noticed is um, the AI, at least so far, and it's still kind of early. I know it's still early access, but like even if like 
right now it seems still a little like they I'm not trying to be judgment I'm not trying to be critical, but they could use a little work. Um <laughs> they could tell them to fight something and like they don't do any they they seem to just cluster around each other. You know? Uh even with the formation thing I noticed. Um like the uh unit AI or the enemy AI. Your your unit AI, I apologize. I should have been more uh, specific. Yeah. And so uh, that I'm. Uh, what is the ultimate g- goal? Is the ultimate goal to like have units uh, behave differently based on the type of unit they are? I mean, I'm sure that's got to be difficult. But uh, how much work is going into the individual unit AI? I guess is my question. So um, one of the things I've I've been working on in the in the latest update is I've been adding in. Uh, um, it's called push priority for the AI, where the big ships will move the smaller ships out of the way, and just now you know each each ship type will be a little more uh, specific in choosing where it moves to. Oh, um, nice. I think I think that's one of especially with the cruisers. The cruisers I'm working on because they're kind of long. Most of the other. Uh, Units are circular in area, but the cruisers kind of mess things up because they, you know, depending which way they turn, their collision area will be different. But, um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's one thing I'm working on. Um, I guess, you know, the fact that the units have a relatively short range, at least compared with other uh, space games. Yeah. Like, you know, something like uh, Sins of a Solar Empire. I mean, that and like other games don't have very good unit AI either, but um, just the fact that you can just kind of have units in the blob and they'll shoot at stuff half the screen away, you you don't really notice it. But the um, the way you're kind of supposed to play is just use formations a lot. And maybe so, that's my thing. I wasn't using formations anywhere near as much as I probably should have. Uh, and I, I really yep. like that they're there. I really like that they're not only there, but they're very easy to, uh, you know, alt right click done, and you can make them different shapes. Now, what happens if you make multiple formations within a, like a like multiple lines? Can you do that? Like have like a box? Or yeah. Something? Oh wow! Really? Um. So you can do like any closed shape you want just by clicking and dragging. Um. If you click uh, hold alt. Uh, and then click and drag with the right mouse button, then release the right mouse button, but keep Alt down, then you can draw another line uh, after that. So if you want to do like two uh, two lines and to make, you know, set up like a pincer movement, you can do that. Whoa. Now what, now where do the, like once, if you have a bunch of ships, like say you have multiple ships selected and you set, make that pincer movement, like you have cruisers and fighters and whatnot, do they know where to go? Like, do th- is that- I think they choose whoever's closest to whatever segment of line is where they seem to line up. Yeah, so um, it's it's set up for you know which whoever's closest to it will go there. Okay. Um, the problem with doing you know doing like unit specific stuff is you really don't know what the player wants because you know mm. in one situation you might might want all your fighters over there, all your uh, cruisers over there. But in another situation, you might just want that uh, kind of, uh, you know, location-based splitting. So 
it, it's hard to add uh, that kind of decision making without putting in a whole bunch of extra buttons to set options. Oh, uh, that makes sense. And you still want to keep it streamlined, so that would just add, you know. Mm. I mean, I guess if you wanted to do that, you could just make different groups, like Control 1, Control 2, and just... Yeah, when you guys yeah. were when you guys were talking about the movement stuff, um, comment on that, because what I notice is uh, I was expecting that the, the ships would rotate around their center, but what they seem to do is the pivot point is actually the tail of the ship. So the front end swings around almost kind of like a car. Um, so whenever I tell a, like one of my cruisers to reverse course, they actually do like a three point turn where it'll, it'll turn and back up and then it'll go forward to, to where I'm at. And it kind of takes it out of position and tends to jostle the other ships that are around it. Cause they, they stack in pretty tight. So uh, is it, uh, like a, a reason of gameplay stuff that you want the ships to move whenever you turn them like that? Or, you know, like, is, is that just a, how you designed it? Or is there like a, a reason that you've got in mind that they behave that way? So um, there's also a, uh, if you do control and right click, you can just tell units to face a certain direction. Oh, okay. Um, that's another uh, option in there. But mm-hmm. like with the movement, um, one of the things that I have right now is there's no acceleration with the movement. So mm-hmm. if you tell a unit to go backwards, it'll go at full speed backwards immediately. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I've been playing with the idea of is adding an acceleration based on which direction the ship is pointed. in. so if it's facing the way it's moving, it goes full speed. If it's facing the opposite direction, it'll, Go. It'll start out going slowly and and then uh, speed up as it turns to face the the direction it's moving in. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But so um, it, I mean, was there like a code reason to put the the point of rotation centered at the back of the ship instead of in center mass? Because I just aesthetically, I'm, it just it seems weird to me. Are you are you talking about the regular cruisers? Because yeah, like any any ship yeah. that I grab that's not a fighter or whatever, if I tell them to change course and I observe where the ship turns, it, it's it's almost like if you put your finger on the tail of the ship to keep it from moving and then push the nose around is where it turns instead of your finger like in the center of the ship where it would pivot around there. So it's like they pivot on their engine. Instead of that's that's probably just because it's moving backwards. It looks like that. The pivot point is actually in the center. Oh, okay. So I'm yeah. I mean, it might it might look that way, um, but well, it might be because yeah. it, it starts to back up as it's turning as well. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I'm not. So, I mean, that's one of the things, you know, one of the reasons I'm doing early access is I want feedback on this kind of stuff. Because um, mm-hmm. right now it's using the, you know, the kind of StarCraft style of every unit immediate acceleration, you know, no matter which way you turn it. Mm-hmm. Although it doesn't, the turning speeds aren't quite as fast. But Well, they also typically, um, instead of the ship going into reverse and then swinging around, um, I think most games just have the ship continue to progress forward, but turn in the direction so that, so they just make a circle. Whereas, whereas the behavior on yours is it's actually, it stops 
and then it, it starts to head the direction that you want it to go while it starts to turn. So then it, it actually looks like it, it's backing up in, in like a, a J turn kind of thing and then goes the other way. So it, it was just a thing that I looked at and it was, it was just like, I've never seen a game do that before. So it, it yeah, was just not expected, but you know, it's, it doesn't really impact gameplay. It, it was just like the aesthetics of it. It, it was just odd. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, aesthetically, I'm, is I'm leaning more towards the idea of of you know what I said before with uh, you know if the sif is pointed in the direction that it's moving, it moves at full speed, and you know the farther away from that it's pointed, uh, it would move slower. Mm. But the um, if you add like full on you know, driving mechanics where it has to make an arc. That can also be kind of annoying for players because hmm. it makes them more difficult to control to control right. units, and so. you don't want them to get closer to the enemy. Sometimes it's like, no, I want you to go the other way because I don't want you going into the middle of the enemy. Right? So, so yeah. if you tell them to turn and then they have to go forward to go backwards, then yeah, like so, uh, like managing attack like bikes in Command and Conquer was always kind of annoying. Yeah. They they'd have these wide turning areas. One thing I, I noticed is that um, I don't know if you plan to add this or if there's a, a thing I just missed it, but I, I believe it was Sins of a Solar Empire that had a option to have all the units move at the same speed. I know I think Conquest did this as well. Is there an option for that here, or is that something you're going to be adding? Because that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, there there isn't right now. I, I do plan on adding Yay! that. Yay! Yay! Um, I'm sorry. I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to give ideas. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> because yeah like, I'm also... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'd give a move order and the fires would be like, Wee! I'm like, wait, no, stop. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Son of a... Con- oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second, guys. Yeah, it, <laughs> it can be right especially uh, annoying when your promoted units go ahead of everyone else because uh, <laughs> oh, when no. units get promoted, they go faster as well. But um, yeah, so that's that's one of the things I'm uh, planning on adding in. Also, um, another modif- modification I want to make to the formation system is a toggle option where if you click the toggle, then you can just click, right click to move and all the units will move to the target location in their current formation relative to each other. So, oh, like, you'd nice. be able to set up a concave and then just tell the units to move somewhere and they'd move in that concave to the target. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, can you um, can you also, when you select units, uh, like traditional RTS, like Control-1, Control-2 set yep. groups that you can recall? Okay. Because that would help with the formation stuff as well. Yeah, and there's also... Um, the uh, the uh, kind of bottom bar where it shows all the selected units, uh, it's on screen now and in, in the uh, on the podcast. But it'll show when you have multiple types selected. It'll show an icon for each unit type. And so if you click on any of those unit types, it'll select all the units of that type. So oh, that's really? kind of a quick yeah. Oh, that's nice. So that's a, and that's why I did it. Um, it also shows like the total health of all the units and the total energy of all the units, but 
this way you can quickly uh, select or deselect certain types from your current group. Um, I believe it's to right-click on them to deselect that type. <clears throat> oh, the, oh, wow. That's a lot of good UI stuff right there. I love it. I love it. I'm a big fan of good UI, and that is that is good. I also like when you select all the units. In that little area, it also shows like your your power ups, like speed bonus, but also the uh, building uh, capable things. Like, oh, there, I have a fighter hanger. Boom, boom, boom. Done. I'm going to build some more fighters. You know, um, that is another thing I like. Is whether you have a base or a mothership, they can be like upgraded with like a fighter hanger and a refinery and stuff. Uh, and one thing I particularly love is even if you have a base, you can move it like so many games, like yeah. you build a base here, you're done. Can't move it. Sorry. It's like you're in space. Wouldn't <laughs> it? Even D space nine could move for God's sakes. It had, it had engines. Let me move for God's yeah. sakes, you know? So that's really nice. I gotta say like, Oh, that asteroid feels a bit far. I'm going to move the base closer to it. So my little harvesters don't have to go as far. That's really yeah, great. so that that's and really that's great. one of the uh, mechanics is once you mine out an area, you can just move to the next area. Or if there's been a battle nearby, you can move it there to collect all the scrap that's left behind. Um, another thing it opens up is the possibility of using bases of offensively. So you just build a bunch of base defenses, at least for the Imperial faction, and then move your entire base over to the enemy. Um, there's actually a campaign mission based on that idea where there's two Imperial bases that are invading the sector and you have to destroy them before they destroy another base. Oh, jeez. There's just so much to do, <laughs> which is great. I'm not knocking it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, like... So each of these um, blah, 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 sector things uh, is a zone. Like each bunch of sectors is a zone. How many zones would you say are in a full campaign? Or how many are planned in a full campaign? Um, there will be at least three different types of zones. So the idea is that the the universe in this, you know, this fictional universe or whatever is set up with the frontier zone, which is the outer ring kind of, and it's that's where you meet the pirates, you know, kind of nomadic space factions. And then the middle ring is the corporate sectors, kind of. I mean, Star Wars has got that, other sci fi stuff true. has got that. That's true. That's um, true. Yeah. And that's kind of a feudal like, you know, outer edges of the empire. And the final sector is the, you know, the core imperial space. And so you'll meet different factions in each one. Um, I might add different kind, different uh, options for how many zones the campaign might have. I'm thinking, you know, either it's going to be just three zones or five or six. So two of each outer type and then maybe two of the the final zone. But, you know, there, I mean, there's also the possibility to, to just add in an endless mode or something like that. Oh, that'd be fun. If, if I guess if you could last. <laughs> now, one thing you mentioned that I, I haven't seen yet, but I want to ask about this. Units apparently can be promoted. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, it's it's basically the command and conquer system of unit promotion. Anytime a unit uh, kills anything, it'll get experience based on how valuable the unit it killed was. And so there's three different levels of promotion. And when they get to the you know, each level, they'll get faster speed and more armor. And at the final level, they'll also get a big attack upgrade and they'll fire different colored projectiles. <laughs> That's amazing. So you really want to keep those, uh, you really want to keep those uh, protected units safe, I guess. I didn't notice, I didn't try this, but can you, uh, like, can you right click a unit to protect that unit if you have uh, other units selected? Like the kind of the opposite of an attack command? Um, I mean, you can move units to it, but um, I mean, basically what you do is just select the unit and tell it to move back. Kind of there isn't, um, or have other units move between it and the enemy. So there's no escort command per se? No. So, so it's, it's all kind of... Um, like I don't know what um, some other space RTS have have different kind of special formations like fighter es- fighter escorts or stuff like that, but I don't have any of that any of that kind of uh, those kind of mechanics. Well, since the fighters are fastest, they tend to get up in front anyway, so it's sort of screwed. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you want your fighters, all of them, to stay around your flagship then you would give them an escort command and they would only move at the speed of the flagship as the flagship moves. That'd yeah, I've seen, I've seen games good. where they actually let you set... Um, it's almost like Harpoon. You remember Harpoon back in the day? Um, where you could actually just... Uh, you select a ship, and, and this is way out of scope for, the, for this game, but, but it would basically be like you select a ship and then a ring comes up around it and you tell them where you want them to be around it right um and i god i forget what game did that but it, it, it's old <laughs> like a long time ago but it was basically kind of like harpoon in space sort of thing yeah i, th- I think, I, think I know what you're talking about i think um I, I think in shallow space you can do something like that or at least maybe it's just setting it up at the beginning but um but yeah, I think once once I add in the the updated uh, formation where you can like save the current formation, um, I think that'll probably accomplish some of that functionality. So you could you know you could just before the battle set up your fighters around the flagship and then save that formation, and you know anytime you move, you know, the units will go back into that you know whatever formation you set up. Yeah, it's, that would be very nice, especially with awesome. those uh, those tractor cruisers. The uh, you know you put those in a crescent formation with your artillery units behind it, and you can pull everything into the center of death. Yeah, I have a, yeah. a concern though about like the promotion mechanism though, because like as as they get more experienced, they get promoted. But it, it's been my experience that once they get promoted to like middle management, then they become incompetent. And sometimes, it, like if they're the nephew of the CEO, then they just get promoted immediately to the. Never mind. <laughs> uh, 
that that'd be great if like members of your own fleet could be like, sir, I I have a complaint about how you're a nepotism mechanic. I think we need that. <laughs> oh yeah. So I I've like I said, I've only played the game for a little bit. So what is the is the ultimate goal to do? What is the ultimate goal of? I mean, you have two different sides. So what was, what is the ultimate goal of each side? Is it the same? Are they different for each side? Like, what happens so, when you get to the center? You get the Tootsie Pop. <laughs> yeah. So um, the the current campaign is is centered on the Interstellar Union, which the idea is it's it's this kind of nomadic union of of you know people from the outer rim of the the ga- galaxy or you know whatever known spaces. And their goal is to start a revolution and overthrow the empire. So the you know, rogue fleet campaign, as I'm calling it, is kind of that idea. And the, uh, the Imperial faction obviously wants to prevent that. Although what I'm planning on doing is doing a regular RTS style campaign for that side. So if you play as the Imperials, you'll get kind of more detailed mission briefings. You know, you'll have different units at each, in each campaign. So the idea is for that to be more of a structured RTS campaign. And it's not in the game yet, but that'll be something that comes, you know, later in the early access. And honestly, it probably won't be as long as a, uh, traditional rts campaign but thematically it fits that faction more for it to be you know kind of you get orders handed down from the you know top of the chain of command and you go on whatever mission they want you to yeah something that i've seen also um in other games like uh infested planet right where they'll do like the the like challenge of the week kind of thing where the designer will like they'll, they'll cook a map. It's all, it's almost like chess puzzles, right? Where, where it's just like, okay, here's the scenario that you're in. Try to win that. And, you know, that might be a thing that you could also incorporate in there. Like, you know, beyond the campaign thing where you could just like plug a mission in every now and then just for, you know, for people like, okay, here, deal with it. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Um, one of the uh, I know one of the struggles with Steam right now is trying to keep people playing, and uh, you know because apparently the way the algorithms work is you know your game gets promoted more if there are more people playing it, so you want to kind of yeah. constantly yeah. have people coming back, give them uh, new new content. Um, so yeah, that's that's something I'll take a look at. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a uh, you know th- that brings up something where where you talk about like. Um, about sustained population in, in games because uh, Spaz quoted, he, he pasted a quote of you um, where you somewhere that he saw it, that you were talking to somebody and they asked a, about multiplayer and why you weren't doing multiplayer. And your answer to that was uh, paraphrased uh, that because it's a niche indie game that you wouldn't build enough of a multiplayer community that it would actually thrive long enough to make it worth doing. And mm-hmm. that, that tickles a pain spot with me about some games that have come out that are, that are, there's no single player 
It's multiplayer yes. only. Yes. And then you, God Factory Wingman, I'm looking at God you. Damn it. Still selling it for twenty bucks. No. There's nobody playing. And if they would, if they would drop it down to like five bucks, they would actually sell that game because then people would take a chance on it, you know. Or, or uh, that—that's the thing where it's like, man, sell that thing in like a four pack, you know, <laughs> like bring your friends, wh- whatever it takes. Because uh, if you do multiplayer only, and then you fail to to build a population, like right off launch day, right? Like people are going to go to that to um, uh, what's that that thing that you run, Brian, that tells you how many people are playing a game just when you're on the store page with it. And, oh, and it's like uh, a enhanced steam. steam, enhanced yeah, steam. Enhanced plugin. steam. So if you look at a game that's multiplayer only and, and you see 50 people playing it and it's launch day, right. Or the day after. And it's just like, uh, nope. <laughs> Cause you know, it's, <laughs> it's never going to happen. Now the, the, the place where that's better though is like buddy games, you know, co-op thing where i don't need like 20 other people to play this effectively you know it's it's not like uh like we're playing unreal tournament or something here it's it's just like me and a friend can play this together um which is kind of like that battlefleet gothic game right where you'd only need like a friend and it's like well we're gonna play this and and we don't we don't care about the population out there. I think that's the sweet spot for for the indie niche thing. But it, it was just uh that you said that and it and it was just kind of like Oh yeah. Okay. This guy gets it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a couple other indie RTS that tried to do multiplayer only or multiplayer focused. And Mm. I don't think any of them have succeeded. I mean, even the, even the bigger kind of RTS, um, just from the way RTS is right now, things like Grey Goo and Deserts of Karak. I mean, they sold, you know, at least 50,000 copies, you know, from what the uh, Steam Spy says on launch. And even those games didn't didn't keep a uh, multiplayer community, you know, healthy multiplayer community for more than a couple months. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. You know and, how many people you know, are playing... Me, sorry, do you know how many people are playing Deserts of Carrick right now? 36. I do. 36. That's it. Yeah, and they're probably all in single player and don't know that anybody else is doing. So that that yeah. but that's the thing, right? With Deserts of Carrick, it's the it's the difference, right? Because Deserts of Carrick, you get a hold of your buddy and you say, "Hey, let's go play this," right? And that's mm-hmm. fine. But if you have a game like um, I'll, I'll beat up Battlefleet Gothic, right? Where it's like you in the beginning when they launched that thing beat it up when well no they they fixed it right it's it's okay now but when they launched it for like the first month it was random matchmaking you couldn't bring a friend and they didn't have they didn't have two versus two so it was one versus one and you were at the mercy of blind matchmaking and it didn't tell you how many people are playing the game or, or anything you just get in there and sit and just watch the timer, <laughs> you know, and it's like, all right, well, it's been like three minutes. It hasn't found me a match. Is anybody else even playing this game? What's going on? Oh, okay. And you give up. Well, they did that the first month and they lost so much of the population right then. And then they came up after the fact and they, and you know, it's like, Hey, hey we put in this whole like invite a friend thing now that we should have had on launch day. And it's like, it's too late, man. It's already dead. You blew it. So, yeah, it, it's just, that that just tickles my my spot for that, <laughs> you know. Um, and and the company 
that made that game. And that's why I was hesitant about it. They had that, that other RTS that's on steam, the name of which escapes me right now, but it, it was like, I think it's still nine bucks to buy zero people playing it. Right. And they did the same deal there where, where it was just kind of like they let the population die rather than bring the price of the game down. They, that thing should have went free to play. They could actually still save that game if they turned that thing free to play and just sold the ship's DLC. They would get a population back because it ain't a bad game. It's just that there's nobody playing it. So why would I buy it? Um, and uh, there was one I bought a four pack of and I was going to give it to you guys. And then I looked at those, the numbers and it was like, oh God, we're going to be the only four people playing this thing. And uh, uh, refund. So you never got to see that one. I'd contrast that with the 8-bit RTS series, which has a co-op campaign built in. Yes, thank you for bringing that up, because I was going to mention that earlier. It was like, and the thing is, okay, so they made three different games, right? But rather than divide their population across three different games, they said, oh yeah, we're going to unify the multiplayer. No matter which of the three games that you own, you can play multiplayer with the other people. Yeah, that's very smart. Super smart. Super duper smart. Well, really, any game where they didn't get me until they put the Martians in any game where I can play a a Martian uh, three legged walker and run around and zap crap with a laser gun like it's 1950s comics. I'm sold. They got my money. It it took till then or a floating brain that like shoots lightning. I I would go with that, too. And they have it. Yes, because I I don't know how they knew that they knew. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, oh, this looks just like, just like Command and Conquer. Eh, it's cute. It's voxels, right? But it's like it's Command and Conquer from you know, and it, and it plays like Command and Conquer did back in the day, first gen Command and Conquer, where your guys weren't smart enough to shoot back when they were getting shot until you clicked on them and said, hey, you should probably shoot back at that guy. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just like, eh, I don't know about that. And then you know, they came out with like the Warcraft version of it. And I was like, ah, no. And then it was like, floating brain. Okay, sold. The credit card came out. Because at that point, I can't resist. Oh, it's so fun when we played it. Yeah. Scream. I think Tom Chase. Can you co op? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Can you co op through the campaign with different armies? Like, I could bring my Martians and you could bring your orcs and play the campaign co op? No, each one has their own co op campaign. And it's, it's, um, Units that are unique to that particular uh, game, yeah. but you know you still have the ability to comp stomp in multiplayer. Yeah, well, that's cool. And I think Tom Chick said it when you're making a real time strategy game, you're basically making two or three games. Uh, you're making the single player campaign game, you're making the skirmish game, and you're making the multiplayer game. And it's not. It's it's such a hard thing to nail, you know, because of the the tr- the the triple nature, I guess. Of well, it. you know how hard it is to nail that even Blizzard couldn't nail it, and with StarCraft Two, as good as StarCraft Two is, all of Korea kept playing StarCraft One to the point where they have to remaster StarCraft One, <laughs> and they don't dare just port it to the StarCraft Two engine. Right, so they have to leave like even like the little buggy things that are there, the weird behaviors. They have to finding. Yeah, they have to replicate Uh, that perfectly, or people will freak out. Really, and and it's like, yeah, 
I I would hope at least they would they would be like bring a bring a League of Legends announcer in or something, you know, <laughs> just well, kind of spice it up a little bit, make it dumb. Well, I was going to say, John, for your game, you've taken one of those three things out of the equation entirely by not having multiplayer, which I think is a good thing. You know, I think don't have fast multiplayer if you're not if you can't like seriously do it, don't even bother. Uh-huh. Well, and and that's you know me being one person making the game. Yeah, exactly. It, it's hard to do multiplayer right, and like a ba- a poorly done multiplayer, I think is going to be a, a bigger detriment to the game than it'll be a benefit. Because you know if you get a multiplayer and you know it's always crashing or there are people cheating all the time, you know that's just going to ruin the experience for people. And and so you know mm-hmm. I mean. There's even a lot, even a lot of big companies have problems with that kind of thing, so I have to lot, be realistic. There's a lot of indie MOBAs that are buried in the oh. desert in New Mexico <laughs> alongside the Atari ET tapes, and it's because, like, seriously though, like you know, Dota people were like, "Yeah, it's pretty cool," and then they made League of Legends, and League of Legends started printing money, and then all the indie folks were like, "Well, we don't have to do AI, and we don't have to do." You know, we just we just have yeah. to throw some characters in there and make it go. And there was like a hundred of them. And it's so lazy. Uh, it's League of so Legends lazy. is still there. It's well, so lazy. yeah, but AI is hard, man. I'm it's not, not saying easy. it's not. Pathfinding, I know it's not hard, but if easy. I know, but, but I if said, you, well, sorry. yeah, but if you want to like asset flip something or whatever, make a make a MOBA, right? Because you need no AI. You you don't and, need good pathfinding. You just some dudes in there, give them some powers, you know, and, and that's, that's half the, and game. that's why they the other deserve, half would be making that's why the they deserve play. to fail. That's why they all deserve right. to fail. That's and that's also one. why first person shooter games don't ship with bots anymore, except for angels fall first, which, which has amazingly great bots. So does toxic. That, that's the thing. It does. That is toxic. Yeah. Cause you remember, you remember the original unreal tournament bots, should, yeah. Those things I couldn't tell them from people. Oh no, they were great. That's one and, of the reasons a lot of people still play. And that's why angels fall first. Sorry, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people still play Unreal Tournament to the original, because yeah. the bots well, are so damn good. And like with Angels Fall First, right? Because people ask me, it's like, should I get that game? That doesn't look like there's a lot of people playing. It's like doesn't matter. Bring bring two or three of your friends, join the bot team, and you won't know that those aren't people. In fact, they play the game better than you, so it'll be good, you know. Because <laughs> the bots are—they're amazing. They—they they do everything that a person would be doing, uh, and so to me, it's like, well, that carries a game, you know. That's that's just like you look and it's like, oh, there's nobody on the server. Well, if it's full of bots and they're competent, you get in there, and then somebody else will say, oh, well, there's a person in there. I'll join, and then eventually exactly. get full server. That's why it blows you know, my mind. You know who really, Sorry, who, oh God, who blew it, right? Is um, Armored Warfare, which was uh, previously Black Isle was working on it, but I guess the parent company took it back from them. The problem that they have with theirs is it, it's a wonderful game. I like it more than World <laughs> of Tanks. I like it more than War Thunder. The problem with it is you can't tell how many people are playing it. And whenever I join the server, they have a North American server and they have a European server. And early in the evening, all the European people are on, so the entire population's in the European server. Those people go to bed, and then everybody comes over to the American server. Well, each server, you have to have a completely separate account, 
and it's a freemium game, which means you're grinding for hours to get something. So I don't want to try to maintain two separate accounts in this. That's baloney. And, but also if I go into the server, it won't tell me like, Hey, there's 5,000 people playing. There's 400 matches in progress right now. And there's only five people in the lobby that are waiting and you need 10 to launch a game, right? 10 or 12. So I log in and all I can see is I'm one of five people sitting in the lobby and I've been here for five minutes. It doesn't tell me anything about like, well, there's 400 other games that are going on. One of them is going to end eventually here. So stick around. And that's where they lose me because it's like my patience, you know, I'm looking at my watch and I'm just like, I don't know, is this faith based? What's going on? And, uh, you know, I, to the point where I joined their discord and like found one of the, one of the dev guys. And I was just like, dude, (laughs) you know, and he's like, yeah, we know. And it's like, well, you know, do, you know, fix it. And uh, yeah, so that thing, unfortunately, I think it's doomed and it's, it's sad because it's such a great game, but it's a silly, it's two silly decisions, holding hands, skipping through the woods together. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I I keep, I, I wish I could tell everyone trying to make a multiplayer game to add bots, like you said, because that's what gives it a game. It's legs ultimately is is being yep. able to play against bots. Like one of the reasons a lot of people still play uh like we played Battlefront 2 last week and which is still great by the way. The original hmm. Battlefront 2. Uh, I can't believe I have to say that. Um it's got great it's got pretty solid bots. Not great. They're not Unreal Tournament quality, but hmm. they're they're good enough and there are enough of them that you feel like you have a challenge. Yeah, you know another game that is a wonderful game that I really like that's dead because of this is uh, Mean Greens, that Army Men game. Oh, that it's basically was basically Unreal Tournament, only? little plastic Army Men. That was mo- yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't. And know unfortunately, more. there's nobody playing it anymore. Didn't didn't maintain population, so kaput. So John, this so, is uh, unfortunate because. Sorry, John, this is a roundabout way to saying thank you for not going down the multiplayer route because you yeah, probably – basically. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, doing... I was like, well, have you guys tested the multiplayer? And they're like, there's no multiplayer. And I was like, wait, what? He made an RTS with no multiplayer? And then Spaz posted that quote, and I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, that. he gets it. I'm happy for that. Yeah, it, it's not, have it, to have yeah. No, it's, I was just so, shocked it wasn't there because it's it's so expected. And then for it to not be there, and then it makes such sense that it's not there. It's like, oh, no, I'm perfectly fine with that. Now, is that the sort of thing where if you, say, were to do a sequel, you'd want to consider, say, a co-op campaign? Yeah, I mean, for a sequel, um, if, if this one does well enough, that's certainly something, you know, Co-op or maybe even full-on full-on multiplayer is something that I could consider. But um, for this game, almost certainly not. Um, yeah, it just seems there's also the scope. yeah, yeah, and especially with the um, with the campaign, um, I think like the roguelike campaign is really works better as a single player. I I don't see how you could do that too well as a multiplayer. I mean, you could do it co-op, I suppose, but um, just the the kind of the nature of it, you know, building up the the fleet over time, and you know, however long, hopefully, something that that'll take hours from start to end. Um, it's probably not not the best fit for multiplayer. Agreed. It, it, this is in Unity, right? Uh, no, it's some um, custom engine in X and A. 
Oh, okay. So this this isn't your first programming rodeo then? Um it's first uh first like professional game project, but I mean I've done other smaller stuff before. Um stuff I've done in school and um you know, various work. Okay. So is that are you like an IT guy nine to five or what? Um, right now I'm I'm game developer nine to five. So this is this is kind of my job now. Um, hopefully it continues to be my job. Oh wow, but, that's uh, great. Yeah, because I, I see so many of the the developers. Right, it's like no nobody quits their their job in a coal mine and <laughs> becomes a game developer. But it's but it's always like the IT guy. Right. So, so it's just kind of like, were you programmer, sysadmin, or what? So, you know, it's just that question, as often as it comes up, it's, it's usually the case. So, yeah. So I mean, anything, I anything, you know, it's, it's usually programmers. So, um, either that or artists, but mostly programmers. Yeah. You know, which is worse, programmer art or art, artist programming? Uh, probably artist programming. I haven't seen very much that works, <laughs> but I don't know. There's plenty. Of, there's plenty of interactive novels that uh, that attest to that. Yeah, um, a lot of those are like drag and drop engines and stuff. So you know, yeah. if all like you want to do is stuff. do a novel, that that works out okay, I guess. Yeah, I've I've actually. Um, I'm toying with the idea of because uh, I bought the the latest version of RPG Maker, just because the stuff that comes out on Steam RPG Maker it's it's like one in a thousand is really great, um, and then the rest of them not so much, right? Because it's like you know first mm-hmm. attempt at whatever. Um, so it, it's like I bought RPG Maker because I decided if I can't be part of the solution, I can at least be part of the problem. <laughs> And, uh, but, but I was actually going to do like a no fighting, just dialogue adventure game where you, uh, basically interact with the people on the show and the guests that we've had and some of our people in the chat. So that's right. If you're in the chat, you may star in my game. Oh, look, everybody's running. You should you should tell totally for our viewers zero. Yeah, I just want to I just want to do something ridiculous and that's and that's bad on purpose, right? Because it's going to be bad either way. But if I say it's bad on purpose, then it's art. Worse than that that genital jousting game or the uh... oh no, dude, that game is grand. The only well, thing I... that could make it better is if it was if it was like rockets on the back of them. If it was in space, what? No, would... you didn't play that with us, man. You need to. No, I, I didn't. Copy, didn't I? <laughs> I, maybe I don't know. If not, I'll correct that right now. Please don't. That game that should be an esport, man. Please ESPN not. could totally cover that. God. Oh, yeah, anyway. I'm not the one that gave somebody a copy of "There's Poop in Your Soup." Uh, yeah, I did actually try that one. That was not good either. Um, no. So, John, your game does have a skirmish mode, which is what I've been trying to get out for the last ten minutes. <laughs> We took the long way yeah. around. We we have tangents here on the Space Game Junkie podcast. We 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 were excited. Um, so you do have a skirmish mode, but I really haven't played with that. So is that like just one map? Is that a multi planet map? Is that a campaign type thing? How does the skirmish? So work? there's two different kinds. Um, one one kind I've got 
I have four maps, I think, right now for it. Uh, that, that is four to choose from, but it's like a single single game map, uh, kind of standard RTS skirmish. There's you and you know, however many enemies. Uh, I've got two versus two and four player maps. Um, and there's also a second skirmish variety that um, is more, I don't know if you, you've played the uh, the, um, what are they, the kind of conquest modes of something like Command and Conquer 3 or Battle from Red North 2, or it's also kind of like the overworld of uh, a Total World War game. Yeah, the, um, the Battle from Middle Earth, that uh, that whole like War of the Ring thing that mm-hmm. it did is amazing. Um, that puts so much life on the game because, you know, you, you can just play that and it, well, it also had multiplayer in it too, but um, even as a single player thing, because it puts a little bit of randomness in, and then you're actually playing a strategy game, and then the combat's resolved with RTS, which was was great. Um, I've still got that thing installed on my laptop, which I got. If they, I don't know, it's probably the Tolkien estate that's got the thing bound up or whatever. But if they could just please re-release that. That would be yeah, good. it's oh, I, apparently the problem is EA lost, you know, well, at least they they only licensed the Lord of the Rings movies for a certain amount of time. And once that time ran out, they took the servers offline and they don't sell it anymore. Yeah, so you can still tragic. play it on like, I think there's there's a third party service where you can play games like that. Yeah, yeah Game Ranger but, does it. Yeah, Evolve yeah. is the one we use. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's just it's painful that if you don't have it, which I did have it. And then I ended up losing it because I had a, like a purge of a bunch of stuff that I had. And unfortunately the discs were, um, and then like, I, I kind of rediscovered it years later. And then I was like, Oh crap, where's my discs? (laughs) I couldn't find them. So then it becomes the, the pain of trying to reacquire it. And you don't want to know what it sells for on eBay. So there's that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not cheap. It's worth it though. I've, I tr- I eventually tracked down a copy and started playing it. So good. Yeah, did you put the widescreen so fix and stuff on it? I, yeah. I play that thing at 3440 by 1440. Ooh, how's it look? Just gorgeous, man. It's amazing. And, and it runs, you know, like full frame rate. I think they capped it at 60. Oh. So it runs a full tilt 60 frames all the time. In I don't know what is that like three K resolution or something. RTS is a rough genre because it's it's not easy to get right for reasons we talked about, and and when you get it wrong, it's like so so bad. Like there were a lot of bad RTSs after Command and Conquer, like and and whatnot. Like remember the nineties? <laughs> there were so many bad RTSs. Uh but, uh, yeah, um, Battle for Middle Earth Two was actually one of the big inspirations for me. Um, really, there's a few. I mean, it's yeah, it was it was one of my favorite RTS games. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm still playing. Three. I mean, there's not too many similarities, but I I really love in that game. It's you know the the kind of you know tactics of having big armies and you know getting the concave formations surrounding enemies like. It was it was just a game with a really good good feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, I would say your campaign is kind of similar to the War of the Ring mode, which is just 
Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, folks, War of the Ring mode in Battle for Middle-Earth. I think both the games had this. Uh, I've, I haven't played the first one. But it's like a Risk-style map where you move your armies around, and then when there are m- multiple, enemy, multiple armies in the same uh, province, you go to a fight. You know? so yeah, it's, all, yeah. it's almost like playing Civilization, and then all in the battles way. are resolved yeah. in real time. Kind of Risk, yeah, and- kind of Civilization. And so oh, you're- yeah, you know... Hmm? Well, sorry. Um, it, it just it just makes me think about uh, about Rise of Nations, an, an amazing game, right? So hmm. I don't know. It, it, have you played Rise of Nations? I would assume you probably have, because that is that's straight up civilization as a real time strategy game. It's it's kind of Age of Empires, but married in with civilization. Rise of Nations is so good. Yeah, that's I really a. Haven't played that one. Oh, it, oh, it's available on Steam, the, the Super Deluxe yeah, version. And, it's and they, really, uh, they have it made so the multiplayer works with Steam. Yeah, now. it's they, really, they really it. great. It's really, really great. There's a lot of it's some of it's it's it shows its age and its UI because it was made in 2003. And so like some things are like, really? Come on. But uh, besides the, the that, the game that does borders like that thing is uh, is Star Ruler 2. That's the only other game I've seen that does the fluid borders in yeah. real time like that. Yeah, the the borders were nice. The borders were really there's, nice. and there's a little of that in the um in the I call it the multi uh, multi system skirmish. Yeah. So the idea is yes. it's it's kind of you know mostly based on the you know conquest mode and battle for Middle Earth that kind of a bit more towards probably more similar to the similar conquest mode in command and conquer three, which I don't think anyone played that played that, but um, I mean, at least not most people played the uh, conquest mode. I didn't. What was, what was that? I don't, I didn't play that. It's, it's kind of the same idea, but there aren't set regions. You can kind of move your new uh, armies wherever you want on the map. And so the, the way I do the, uh, do my conquest mode or whatever, whatever you want to call it is you have these, these units called fleets and it's, it's, um, it's the same symbol that you have in the, in the campaign map, but you can build it up from a planet. You, the idea is you capture a planet and you can build up, up to four different building modules on it. And each one of those will give you some ability, like the shipyard will let you build new fleets. Uh, tech center will take you to the next uh, tech level. And um, also, if the enemy ever attacks that that planet, when you go into the you know standard RTS battle to decide who wins, you'll also start out with a pre-built base. For each one of those buildings you have so it's it's and it's kind of the same idea where anytime two fleets meet all the units from those fleets go into a you know tactical uh, rts battle kind of like you do in the campaign right yeah because there was a uh there was a um one of the tutorial missions dealt with that that which i really liked which i really really liked now do those come up in the campaign that multi-system uh, map thing, or is that its own thing? Not yet. Um, okay. It's something I'm considering. I, I mean, technically, I can do it. 
Um, so I guess, you know, the idea would be that instead of a node being a single system, you'd go into the node and then you'd have your fleet in that node and, you know, multiple planets you can fight. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that's possible. I think it's something that I'll probably save for later in the campaign, but, um, and may, you know, maybe there's some technical problem I don't know about right now, but it possible that uh, you know something could, could come up also the other um i guess the other thing to say about it is that the the kind of overworld uh map where you move your fleets around is still in real time so you know most of the other games it's turn-based but in this one it it is real time but things hopefully move slowly enough that you can you you can move fleets around and get into battles with, without uh without too much problem. Yeah, I liked um the pacing of at least the one scenario I played did not seem too fast in terms of uh managing multiple units on that large map. So that was really nice cuz that's so important in a game like this is um because if am I remembering right that there is not a tactical pause in this game? Or is there? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, there isn't. It's yeah. I mean, something maybe I'll add in. Um, I guess that's something a lot of people want. But uh, yeah, right now there's no tactical pause. You can you can change the speed setting so it's right close to being paused. But I mean, that's fine. You don't have to add one. I was just yeah. asking. I mean, if you know. Yeah, I mean, something where you hit a button and it drops down to say ten percent speed. Well, yeah, that, that, that's what I was talking about. Stop. That's right. what yeah, I was talking about before with, like, the space bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you just take it down to bullet time for a little bit. And e- even if you wanted to put a timer on that, where it's like you can only use it so so much so often, you know, I've seen stuff do that before, too. It's, like, it's almost like a battery that charges up while you play the game, and then you can access your, your slow-mo when you need it. Um, in fact, oh, uh, the what, Void, ability void Destroyer... Time. Yeah, but Void Destroyer, I think, was one of the first ones that did that. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it does. Yeah, and you hear the heartbeat slow down. <laughs> you know, like... Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so how long have you been working on this game, man? Because it seems, even at, in this uh, early access stage, I mean, I didn't encounter one bug. Uh, I didn't really see any typos. It's very stable. Uh, there already seems to be a lot to do. So how long have you been working on this? Um, it's, it's been almost five years now since I started. Um, It's, I mean, at the beginning, uh, it was kind of a, uh, more of a hobby, but, um, yeah, it's been, uh, almost a year since it came out on Itch.io. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the state at which it, it started to be, you know, playable, I think, and sellable more like, but, um. Can I ask you something about itch, itch, uh, it? Uh, you say itchio, I say itchio. Uh, I don't know yeah. what the right way to say. I don't. Um, I, I think the guy who made it doesn't have a set way of saying it okay. either. I saw he did a Twitter poll a while, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Oh, really? So I really love that service. I, I really think it's great for indie developers. But how how do you find it? Because one issue I have with it is because I mean it's great. There's there is so much on it. But that does make it hard to to narrow down what you're looking for. 
You know, so how how do you how are you finding working with HIO as a developer? So I can say that the sales are not good at all. Um, it's it, the problem is it, it it doesn't drive a lot of people to your content. Um, I I think that's you know there's a combination of things. Um, one there's just so many games on there. And many of the games are that people upload are game jam games or free games that yeah. you know just someone making in a few weeks or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's really hard to sort through those kinds of things and find the quality games. Yeah, I mean, and also yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say, um, like the tar- that kind of influences the target audience. So people that go to it's it's um usually are looking for simple free games. So my game's probably not the best kind of game to have on there. But as far as just, you know, what the platform itself does for developers, I mean, it's really straightforward to get games on there. You know, they've got a really nice system. I now that they have the, uh, the, uh, it's app, it's pretty close to all the features that steam has. So, Really good system, but I mean, I don't know about like the more advanced stuff. But you can launch games from the apps. You can, uh, I think, I think it has like friends lists you can chat to. I don't know anyone on it, but wow. um, yeah, like it'll automatically update games. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a good service, but not not a lot of people use it and yeah that, that, the people who use it tend to go for free games yeah that's that's what i was wor- worried about because um i do run into but, every now and then like i'll see a game on greenlight and it's like our game is on itch.io like oh i have to go over to itch.io and i i love the variety on itch.io but they make it so hard to find anything more specific than a game or a paid game you know, it's it's like their filtering yeah. is is terrible. You know, you know what itch.io is? It's Steam without green light as a filter. That's kinda. I think that's kinda. pretty close. Yeah. But the, yeah. But the thing is, that's why you know a lot what? of people it's put their than games the Twitch there. Store. Oh yeah, but that's why a lot of people put their games on itch.io because it's it's much easier to get your game on there. I mean, I gotta say, I do love itch.io because it gives developers a place to put their game if they can't get on Steam, and and itch.io does. I kind of wonder sometimes, like if Steam gets so bad with discoverability, are, P- are developers going to start migrating away from it? You know, I mean that is a possibility. You know, and and they 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 are working on discoverability, but at the same time, their discoverability is kind of crap. You know, like why do I have to go to a third party site? What's on Steam dot com? To see the new releases easily. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of annoying how many times you have to click from the front page just to get to the all new releases list. It is. It's well, it's, so it's like stupid. the new releases list is like a tiny postage stamp in the middle of the sea of suggestion stuff, and it does not help. And most of the suggestions are stupid. You played this the other day, so maybe you'll like this. Yeah, Your you, friend reviewed this. Did you see this. where it's actually explaining why now? And they, they just added, added that. that, like which is yeah. nice. But at the same time, like, have you ever gone through your queue, like, just on a lark, just to see what the frack is in there? And be like, we chose this game because it's popular. We chose this game because it's popular. 
we chose this game because, like, screw you, Steam. Do you, do you see any MOBAs or visual novels in my in my library? No. There's a reason for that. <laughs> I don't want to play one. Stop it. <laughs> God. It's it's so frustrating because I, I love that there are so many people making games right now. We have never been, I think, so spoiled for choice. Not just the space gaming, which is amazing in and of itself, but with gaming. It's literally everything. It's Yeah, well, the thing, the thing with indies, like, you know, 9 out of 10, not that great. However, the indie space is the only place where anybody's willing to experiment now because the price of AAA development is astronomical. So... To, to do anything in the indie space, it's like, well, you have to experiment to get noticed because you're definitely not going to make like another, you know, whatever, whatever happens to be the thing. Dota. Yeah. Don't, don't make another MOBA. Right. <laughs> but um, so they have to experiment with things, but, but they're also in the position where they can afford to, because the production values don't have to be triple a whatever. And, you know, it's like, you don't need mocap voice actor stuff and, and all that. But you put a triple A game out that doesn't have that stuff, and people freak out. So yeah. it's a unfortunately a self fulfilling prophecy that the the suits at the table don't want to put venture money into something that's not a sure thing, air quotes sure thing. Because I remember back whenever StarCraft hit, right? It was like Warcraft, StarCraft, and then there was the thousand other RTS games that dropped in like a two year span of which we remember none. You guys still there? Sorry, my, for some reason, I'm sorry. I thought I killed the podcast. No, no, I was, I was saying some of the RTS games I remembered. And then I noticed I used this thing on the, on my mixer to do the push to talk thing. And for some reason it hasn't been kicking in tonight. So, like, every now and again, I'll be talking, and my mic will be still be muted. It's very frustrating. But I was saying, I remember some of those RTSs, like Warwind. Remember that one? Or uh, Dark Colony. Or, uh, uh... Oh, God, Dark Colony. Dark Rain. I love Dark wow. Colony. I love Dark it was, Colony. It was interesting. I still own that one. I still own that one. Um, Probably one of the only games where you can actually play as the Sectoids. Yeah, that was a Mar- that was the Martian one. Uh, yeah. the, well, there was another one where you could play the aliens invading Earth. I can't remember it though. Um, yeah, but, there was Universe at War. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, that was a good one. So many RTS. I still want to play that. I, I want to play that uh, War of the Worlds one. That oh, that one. That game is great. That's another kind yeah, of game where you have the big map, the like the meta map of England, and you move your units around, and you have this crazy. Uh, I remember the soundtrack for that game specifically. Soundtrack for that game was amazing. Um, I think I own that one too somewhere. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. I I, I was gonna just gonna say I'm glad HIO exists as an alternative, but I'm not surprised that you're not finding much success on there because yeah, there's it is kind of a dumping ground. You know, in a way, which mm-hmm. I don't think helps it. I, I, cause I think it has a lot of potential to be a really great platform, but they really need to weed out like little or like, jam they, games or something. 
Yeah, I mean, even if they just had two different storefronts, you know, one for your Game Jam games and, you know, other stuff like that, and another for, but I don't know. I guess the problem is, you know, they need to hire people to do curation, and, like, that's something Steam doesn't want to do, so I don't know if it's it's going to do it with however many people they have working there. You mean Valve or Itch? It, 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 sorry. Yeah, is it a big? Does anyone know if Itch is a big company at all? Like, are they much of a company? It's it? not that big. I mean, I I follow the the main guy who who runs it on Twitter. Um, I don't think there's that many other people in it, but uh, I don't know. You I, you can probably ask him, but I don't know if there's anything on the website. So, I mean, as as a as an indie loan developer, would that would you say that's your biggest challenge is marketing and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it's the biggest challenge. Um, I mean, it's hard to say uh, pre-release um, how how much marketing I'll actually need, but. Uh, I mean, certainly the way the way most things launch on Steam is, you know, if if you get onto the popular releases tab right away, you know, you'll you'll do pretty well, and if not, you kind of get buried. So you need you need to drive people uh, to your page one way or the other. Um, mostly, what I've been doing is just reaching out to YouTubers, um, trying to get people to cover the game that way. That's what you. It seems like what you got to do these days. Yeah, visibility is the is the struggle. Is reach out to the influencers. I hate that word, but that's, that's well. Then there's the game press. Oh wait, no, they're dead. <laughs> they're not dead, but they don't have we're, the we're all influence. Dramatic. They all have the influence they once did. Uh, because that's true. Because YouTube killed the the radio star or whatever. <laughs> however, that song goes. YouTube killed the print media mostly. Mostly. Well, they're also, still around, but yeah. Also, ad revenues killed the print media. Um, so, uh, you say this is probably going to hit Steam next week ish, John? Yeah, I mean, next week or the week after, I think. Okay. I mean, I, I have to, I want to add in the, the second of the boss uh, encounters. Oh, okay. And. Um, apparently, I mean, from the video today, there's apparently one bug still left in the uh, existing <laughs> boss count, so I'll have to fix that. I'm glad I could help in some small way. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, how do you have like a timeline for early access to uh, 1.0? Do you have any kind of thoughts on that? Is just like how long, however long it takes. Yeah, I mean, however long it takes, um, I'm thinking probably, you know, close to like half a year would be a reasonable that estimate. Re- yeah, that sounds really reasonable. I, I notice a lot of the, the, ga- the games that do really well in early access have like maybe a six-month to a year gestation period in early access while they uh, work with the community. Uh, so that, that's, that does sound really reasonable. Especially if you're very transparent about, you know, like if you have like maybe a weekly update or a monthly update, you know, of how things are going, you know. People, yeah, people, I mean, I'm people hopefully at the point where I can I can put out updates relatively quickly because, mo- I mean, all of the 
big mechanics are in the game. There's nothing right. you know, game-changing I need to write for it. It's mostly just adding content at this point. I can make a suggestion. Whenever you make an update on Steam, please not only post the patch notes in like the news section, so when you click on you know details in the download list, you go to that news spot and it's easy. You can see in the forums too. Yeah. Also as an announcement. So people see it in the stream, if they follow the game and in the forums, because it's so frustrating when a developer like, Oh, there's a two point gig patch out. What does it do? No one knows because the developer hasn't posted anything. And I don't know about you guys, but I like, I go to the download list on steam every day to see which games have been updated. Cause like Christmas, like oh, I for- not only did I forget I own that game, <laughs> I should play it. But ooh, new stuff. So like that reminds you- me, there was a there was an update for Battlefront Two this week, and I what? didn't see any patch notes the day of. Wait, there was a ba- there was an update for Battlefront Two on Steam. Yeah. What? <laughs> Why? What is it? What? <laughs> How did that even happen? What? <laughs> oh my god. They must have found out that Teeth put up a server, and they were like, oh, we need to patch this Oh, stuff my God. But, uh, but, yeah, that would be my suggestion, because if you do updates, just – because I don't know about you guys, but I've started to use, like, the, the, like, the kind of update stream on Steam as a really important news feed. You know, like, even more so than RRS, RSS feeds. You know, like well, when we were in heavy development with Quintet, that that's what I would do. I would post our all our patch notes as announcements. That way, yeah. people would know we got a big update coming, and then that way people would see it. Yeah, that's so important. Like to me now, like I find that like because I'm posting news regularly on the blog, and a lot of the news I get is from the Steam feed. You know, from developers posting announcements. It's it's just insane how Steam has become almost kind of a social network. I almost, just, yeah. Like if they could, they could be like Twitch and just put like a Twitter feed right in the front there. And I, I there are two things I wish they would do. One, give me a way to talk to people who follow my curator page, and I think they might do that. But um, two, get rid of the the friend cap, please. Can you just. Just dump that that stupid leveling crap. Can we just get rid of that, please? Because <laughs> I'm tired of I'm I'm really tired of having to to call my friends list every now and again because someone wants to friend me. You know, like oh, I haven't talked to this person in two years. Delete. Like I just want to keep everyone. Sorry, that's a weird rant. But I'm I, I there like in the basement. It's because what? they gamified the, the I know, system. and I hate that. I hate, I hate that it as well. so much. Well, it's, it's some people play Steam the game, which really freaks me out. I've done that. I did that once. I I put in like five dollars and I bought a bunch of cards or something, and then I sold them and got a bunch of points and leveled up like four or five levels. It took like three hours and five dollars because I wanted to see how it worked. It was weird, man. It felt really strange. Like, I felt like I was gaming the gamification. You know? It felt really weird. I didn't like it. It felt really fake. Like, uh, just take that away. 
But yeah, if Steam would give me like some kind of feed where I could like update my curator curator followers, that'd be amazing. That'd be so amazing. Just have it show up in the feed with everything else. That's all I ask. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I guess we should start wrapping up. We've been talking a while. Uh, so your game's coming out. So uh, is uh, the game going to be $20 on Steam as well? Or are you going to have any kind of launch uh, discount? Yeah, there'll be a launch discount. I, I think uh, 10 or 15%. I haven't that seems, that seems said reasonable. it yet, but that seems something reasonable. like that. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, because the game right now, folks, is uh, $20 on itch.io. And that seems to be, for the amount of content this game is going to have, based up, that seems a perfect price point for it. Like, If you use the discount code SPACEGAMEJUNKIE, <laughs> it'll cost you a dollar extra. Because uh, Steam doesn't do affiliates um, <laughs> at all, ever. And they may never. Um, they charge our friends more. But like, no, you see, sometimes you'll see a game on Steam and it's like, oh, this looks cool. Why is this $30? This doesn't look like a $30 game. Um, but I can tell you, folks, this game is a $20 game easily because you have multiple, you have, you have dynamic campaigns, which alone are worth, 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 worth bank, worth bank. And then you have uh, multiple sides as well and skirmish maps as well and at least 40 to 30 to 40 different mission types just now and you said you're going to be adding more so there's a lot of stuff here folks so if, if you're the skirmish ai i'm i'm pretty proud of the skirmish ai I'm, okay I, I know it wasn't shown a lot on uh stream but um it's i've recently actually nerfed it a little to make the easy Ooh. mode easier oh but uh yeah, so the skirmish AI, the you know, the good idea is to play as human-like as possible. It doesn't use resource cheats or vision cheats or anything. Very nice. But yeah, very nice. No, I, I haven't played it yet. All I've done is like the intro campaign, and I didn't want to. I, I figured the intro campaign would be a good thing to show people on the stream as well. Um, because you know, yeah, I think I think it's the best choice, probably. Yeah, but I am going to – I think tomorrow night I'm going to record a preview that shows, I think, a skirmish map and some of the campaign for, for later this week. So people will be able to see a little more of the game in the coming days, at least from my end. Um, because, again, there's a lot here. Uh, oh, that's a good question, Crafty Dog in the stream. Will there be a demo? Is there or will there be? I, I didn't see if there was. Um, uh, there's a demo out now on the it's itch.io store. It's a little bit out of date, but um, I'm going to try to update it soon. But, yeah, there is a demo. It's got the main campaigns disabled and – also, the uh, the secondary skirmish mode is disabled, but yeah, I think some okay. Will there be a demo on Steam as well? Uh, probably. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Either that, or I'll put a link somewhere to the its demo. It's kind of interesting how demos have kind of fallen out of favor compared to like people watching YouTube videos. Like they'd rather watch it's like like demos of fallen in popularity while people watching people play the game has have risen in popularity. Which is kind of interesting. Like I remember back in the day where and dem- I guess was, demos yeah, were the thing. Was, sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. 
Yeah, and and with Steam also now that they have the refund system, I think a lot of people would just uh, prefer to you know get the game and then they'll refund it if they don't like it after a first hour or something. So yeah, I would like to hear. Kind of, sorry, I'd yeah. like to hear like when once you release the game on Steam because we were talking to some of the other developers and they were talking about their uh, how, like their percentage of refunds. Uh, for their game. And so it'd be interesting to hear what you get as well once you've been up for at least a few months. Um, because uh, I think there were, uh, we had a couple developers, I won't say which games, of course, but they said like their refund rate was about 15 or 16%. And that doesn't seem terrible. Yeah, that's, that actually seems in line. Like with, if, with it, my it, expectations, hmm. at least, because yeah. since, since there is the ability to do the refund, a lot more people are willing to take the chance. Right. So, which is good. That wouldn't have even attempted it before. So, right. And 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 I I think it does work for a lot of people, but uh, I I'd say eighty five percent retention rate is pretty good. You know, I mean. To me, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, if if you sell twenty thousand copies of your game and eighty five percent of that you keep, that ain't bad. I I think that's that's pretty solid. Um, but Crafty Dog, you get two hours with the refund system. You get two weeks or two hours, right? That's that's how it works, right? It's not yeah, one it's, hour. It's, yeah, it's up to two week. Yeah, it's up to two weeks and less than two hours played. Right. In some cases, they rarely, rarely will give you the option to to refund if you got more. But oh, really? Those are usually extenuating circumstances, like they did with uh, what was it, Arkham Knight? Oh uh, yeah, it's true. Arkham Knight, that's true. And that debacle. One that I thought was very yeah. interesting. Um, they had a game that was called Smash and Grab, and right. I liked the game a lot. It was it was good, um, and unfortunately, the publisher went out of business, <laughs> right? Which took the developer and the oh. game down with it. And uh, but what they did is they sent a note out to everybody that had bought the game, and they were like, you know, like if you want to hurry up and refund this, we've extended the refund period because you know game's oh. dead, servers are down. So we'll refund everybody. Oh, that's really nice. Dang. Yeah. That's, that's really great. I mean, that's, you can't buy that kind of goodwill. So I'm sure people remember that, you know, that's, that's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I think two hours is a reasonable amount of time to see if you're going to click with a game or not. Yeah. Five minutes. I generally know. Yeah, pretty much. That's really all five or 10 minutes is really all I need to know if I'm going to like a game or like, Nope, this can go back. Um, so let's start wrapping up. John, um, besides your game, are you playing anything right now? Um, I actually haven't been playing that much. I've been going over, um, FTL and, uh, Battle Void Harbinger, mostly kind of research purposes. Um, sure. I also picked up Terraria again, and I've been playing that a little, so that's, uh, that's about it for the past, uh, couple weeks that seems reasonable uh what up jim jim and uh spaz anything anything super exciting you guys are playing i'm playing f19 stealth fighter right now and it's joe master you are oh i see that oh my god oh i love that game so much i've got such a big smile on my face I was just going to yeah. toss out a suggestion in terms of doing yeah. a demo maybe put out uh, a cut down version of the intro campaign with maybe five or six sectors in it mm. and 
And that way they can get a vertical slice of the game without actually having to plop down 20 bucks right off the bat and trying to see whether or not they like it that way. Yeah, the uh, the demo right now does have the intro campaign. Oh, it's, okay. Um, it's only the, uh, the full campaign that's, uh, that's cut out of it. Perfect. That's utterly perfect. All right, folks. Um, so just a couple of programming notes. We're going to do the contest uh, for one week, one more week. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't been listening. Uh, basically, if you take a screen, if you review us on iTunes and take a screenshot of it and email it to us, I know it's a few steps, but you can get a free game or games out of it. Um, I've got codes for all kinds of things, like all the Wing Commander games on GOG, for example, or, uh, oh God, I have so many keys that I've, I'm saving for contests. So yeah, please go like us and review us and screenshot it on iTunes and email it to contests at spacegamejunkie.com. There'll also be a link and everything about it on the, um, post on the site. Uh, for Thursday's LAN, uh... Land we need to go deeper. Yeah, for uh, Land Party Thursdays. That's what it's called now. We are playing the sub co-op submarine exploration and action adventure game. We need to go deeper, which uh, can take up to f- two to four players. So I know at least two of us are going to be playing it, so we could totally use two more. It's only $10, bucks, uh, which is surprising, given that it looks like a pretty big game. So that's pretty great, actually. Um so uh, that's what we're playing on Thursday. And next week on the show, we're going to be welcoming the lead... Now, what do you call him? Lead what? Evangelist? Developer? I don't know. I mean, he's not the only... Deve- is, I, there are a team of four. Yeah. Let's say the lead guy. The lead dude. On... Um, the lead guy command. on uh yeah the the head the 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 adama of the group uh we're going to be talking about our our new our new toy our new uh new candy uh discovery freelancer which is this amazing amazing mod for uh freelancer uh that has we're going to spool up a server over the next month or so but it's just a massive amazing mod so we're going to talk and the developer is overseas he's oh god i can't remember the name of the country but it's going to be like the middle of the night for him but he works odd hours he's in in latvia latvia thank you yes so he's going to be talking to us about really well they call it latveria but close enough he might actually be dr doom you never know we'll have to uh, ask him if he knows ben groom and again, finally, I want to thank again Excelsior for helping me last week with the stream. The stream was much better this week. We did have a few drops, a few bits of instability, but nothing like last week. Uh, so yay! So I think we're headed in the right direction in that regard. I think I have to do a few more things. Um, but yay, the stream did not cut out once. It didn't stop once. So that's progress. And I'm actually physically knocking on wood <laughs> because that's how I have. I'm slightly superstitious. Um, so, so yeah, um, I guess that's it. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. And John, I want to thank you for coming on and talking about your game again, the game folks, Empyrean, E M P Y 
R-E-A-N. That's an odd word, by the way. Is that, what is, what is, like, I'm thinking in, empirical or mm-hmm. in, empire. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, celestial, heavenly, like, oh. synonym, that kind of stuff. So, space, space is word, oh. kind of. It thro- the E is what throws me off, that second E. I want there to be an I there in my brain. You know what I mean? I want it to be Empyrean, mm-hmm. but it's Empyrean. You know, so the spelling throws me off. So again, folks, E-M-P-Y-R-E-A-N, Frontier. Uh, there is a Steam page for it. You can find it on Steam. There's also an itch, itch.io page. I'll be linking to both of those in the show notes uh, for the uh, MP3 version of this. Uh, but that's going on uh, Steam Early Access soon uh, for 10 or 15% off. Not sure yet. But the base price is $20. And again, worth it. Um, this is really good stuff. If you like Homeworld at all or FTL at all, uh, you will probably like this. It's got element. It's got a lot of the best elements of those games and more. So uh, definitely check it out. And again, John, thanks for joining us. Uh, and everyone, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and we will see you next week. Bye bye.